Okay. Hey, everyone. Uh, how's everyone doing? Good. Uh, feel like, uh, yeah, man, fall weather is uh, definitely here for sure. So get to wear fall clothes. So my wife is really happy about that. That's what she looks forward to is fall clothing because you can layer all your clothes. So uh, the ladies are happy. So that's good. Uh, Hey, I uh, just want to welcome uh, new people here. Uh, I know uh, I met Grant and Sarah. So if you don't know uh, Grant and Sarah, they are Taylor Lyons. Um, is it old colleague? Uh, yeah. uh, Grant was an old colleague. And so, man, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, and then I know uh, one more person. Where, where is that person? Uh, Sailor. Yeah, Sailor. Is this your first time as well? Maybe second? Okay, well, welcome. Yeah, I don't see you that often, so man, good to see you. Um, okay, so we are in the book of uh, Nehemiah. I think we've got six feet from everyone, so I'm, I'm going to not have my mask. Otherwise, it's just so dry, so dry. All right, let me, let me get a bit of... Oh, and, and hello to um, Zoom World. Yeah, good to see everyone there. Oh, Ji Wong. Oh, hey, Ji Wong. Nice to meet you. Again, yes. <laughs> I, I met you before. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, man, we are in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah chapter uh, 3. We're going to cover uh, chapter 3 tonight, but we're going to finish up chapter 2 as well. So, we're going to be at chapter 2, verse 19. To chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 and then we're going to do a bit of overview of chapter 3 because if you if you have read Nehemiah chapter 3 it's all about people building the wall and so you're going to get names after names after names and then who they are and what they do and this you know and if you read that casually you're going to get like oh man what is going on it's kind of boring but actually in there, as we have seen the last time in chapter 2, uh, God doesn't, doesn't just put, you know, stuff in the Bible for no reason, right? Uh, you, God is very purposeful. In fact, in the New Testament, they said that Jesus has done a lot more stuff, but it's not written in the Bible. So God has actually, like, selected the things that he wants to put in the Scripture so that we have it. And here in chapter 3, man, it's just this, this building of the wall. And it's actually really exciting if you know kind of the story behind the building of the wall. It's because the children of Israel has been in captivity for, for 70 years. And then the northern Israel for over 100 years, they are in affliction and reproach. And so that, that's really bad. I mean, they're supposed to be God's chosen people, and yet they, they live in the dumps amongst uh, their, their temple, if you will. And they're supposed to be worshiping God, but their life is constantly being threatened, intruded by people. And so they can't even have stability in their life. How can you give glory to God in that, right? If, if, if constantly, every day, your life is at risk and, and, and it's just rubbish and dumb all over your house. I mean, like, oh, glory to God. And people look at you, you're crazy. You're crazy. What, what God are you worshiping? You know, like you have, there's no blessing. And, and not that, not that uh, you know, wealth is, is the, uh, the, the signature or the indication of, of, of God's blessing, but God is a God of 
blessing. He, he, God is a God of order. And certainly when the, the first temple was built, man, we see a very, very beautiful temple. And we see that uh, as the picture of heaven. So, so we are in uh, uh, chapter 2 again. So if you want to turn there, chapter 2. Uh, but, but before we do that, I'll, I'll do a quick review from last week. Uh, not last week, two weeks ago. We meet every two weeks, okay? So, so, so Nehemiah basically uh, uh, came to uh, Jerusalem and he was given escort uh, by the king, you know, with the captain of the army and a horseman with him. And then the key point number one from two weeks ago is that a leader is not afraid to receive help. A leader is not afraid to receive help. Uh, we see that uh, contrasting to Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't want to receive an escort from the king, but God did not rebuke either of them. So, so the point there is, man, as leaders, and it's okay to receive help, right? Key point number two is we see the enemy starts to pay attention when prayers are turning into clear action. The enemy starts to pay attention when prayers are turning into clear action, and we see that uh, the, the, um, uh, the antagonist, Sanballat, the Horonite, the, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard it. Then the Bible said they were grieved. It grieved them exceedingly that they was come, amen, to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So you can see just the insights behind, you know, the, in terms of the enemy, just when someone is seeking the welfare of what God wants, right? God wants uh, to have Jerusalem you know, as his headquarters of his glory. And, and the enemy doesn't want that. And we see Satan certainly doesn't want that. And we see how angry it is when one person, one person is seeking the welfare of the children of Israel. Uh, key point number three is a leader prayerfully considers the necessity, necessity and the timing of giving information. Okay. A leader prayerfully considers the necessity and timing of giving information. We saw that actually God himself put into Nehemiah's heart to not tell anyone about his coming to Jerusalem, okay? Uh, and so he was there very discreetly for three days, and he didn't meet any of the rulers, the nobles, or the, the, the common people. He just came very discreetly. We saw that it was three days that he was in Jerusalem, which was very special. And then he went on this night discovery journey, okay? We, we talk at, uh, uh, of that uh, at length, but the key point number three is that if he would have shared that information, right, with the people, that gives the enemy an opportunity to basically just counterattack and say, hey, there's no way you can do this and so on, and then, and then it would have poisoned their mind. It would have discouraged them, so by the time Nehemiah goes and actually uh, talk to the people, they were already poisoned. Does that make sense? Uh, we have that Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterward. Right? If a ruler hearkens to lies, all his servants are wicked. So if any of the rulers of, of, uh, of, of the Jerusalem uh, hearkens to the lies of Sanballat, right, and Tobiah, man, then, then they'll be wicked. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to work. They would believe the lie uh, of, of the enemy. And, and then key point number four, leaders find out the root issue 
before proceeding to give a prescription. Leaders find out the root issue before proceeding to give a prescription. And we saw that through the picture that Nehemiah took in this discovery trip. I mean, it was just like, you can't make that up. I mean, the, the journey in which he takes is, is just very, very clear. And we, we, we saw the valley gate. He went through the valley gate, the dragon well, the fountain gate, the rubbish dung gate, Jerusalem wall, and, and all that. We don't have time to go through all that. But if you put the dots together, you would see that it's speaking uh, a lot to, to, to us, at least picture-wise. Okay, Maybe not to Nehemiah at that time, but for Nehemiah, he saw for himself what was going on, what was going on, what was the state of Jerusalem. Because he heard it from uh, uh, Hanani, but he haven't actually seen it, okay? And a leader would want to see for himself before he made a judgment, before he makes a prescription. So we saw, we saw in the root issue that's uh, inspirational, applicable to us, okay? In the trials of their life, the dragon has become their well. See, this is the only mention in scripture about the dragon well. Very interesting. When they are in affliction and reproach, Okay, the dragon well has become their well of life, which is idols, basically. And their life is full of rubbish and filth. And we saw that in that, that discovery. It was so full, it covered the fountain gate and uh, the, the uh, king's pool, okay, in, in, to the point where the, the horse can't even get through. So he has to kind of come down from his horse and whether he crawl or walk, we don't know. But it was so full of rubbish and and that was a picture that it has completely covered the access to, you know, the fountain, the water, which is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit for us. So as a result, right, they have no peace in their life. They have no peace in their life, which is the Jerusalem wall was broken, and then they have lost their way. Okay, so that's where where we uh, uh, was key point number four. And then the last one, the last one, key point number five as review is, uh, is now that Nehemiah went and discovered uh, the Jerusalem walls himself. Okay, he saw what's going on. God says, hey, be discreet. Go take a look at it yourself. Okay, I'm going to show you something. Okay, and then he went after that to, to talk to the people. And we see in verse 16 in chapter two, that he went and talked to the rulers, the Jews, the priests, the nobles, uh, and, and so on, okay? And then he gave them the charge that the hand of God, right, is with him. And so key point number five is someone out there is waiting for our faith and testimony to jumpstart their restoration. Someone out there is waiting for our faith and testimony to jumpstart their restoration. We saw that in Nehemiah. Right? His testimony of faith was powerful. He was a man of vision. He was a man of prayer. We saw he waited on the Lord for four months and God gave him the desires of his heart. Okay, So, um, so now we are in verse 19. Okay, Verse 19. So this is right after verse 19. Let's pray and then I'll jump into verse 19. Father, I, I, I thank you so much, uh, Lord, for uh, who you are. Uh, Lord, you are a God that restores lives. You're in the business of restoration. And Lord, we know that the world is broken. Uh, in, in, in the lost world, Lord, there is just no capacity 
uh, to be righteous. Uh, Lord, they can conjure up righteousness, but there is no true righteousness. And we know that to be the same for us. We need your grace. Uh, Lord, we have things in our life, Lord, that needs to be restored. And I pray, uh, Lord, that you use Nehemiah, Lord, to provoke this. Uh, Lord, to have uh, a life that gives you glory. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so tonight I'm going to primarily look at the leadership principles that I can draw from Nehemiah chapter 2. Okay, leadership principles I can draw from Nehemiah chapter 2 and the overview of chapter 3. So, so as soon as Nehemiah okay, uh, is charging the people to say, let's rise up and build, right? The people strengthen their hands for this good work. And then the very next thing in verse 19, okay, we see this. Verse 19 says, But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershom, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Okay, so, so, so this is the, the antagonist that we saw back in verse 10. But this time, there was one more person, right? Before, it was just Sanballat and Tobiah. And now you got one more person, and that person is Gershom, the Arabian. The Arabian. Okay, you can look into that. His name is very interesting that his name, Gershom, uh, means rain. And then in chapter 6 and verse 6, his name is called Gashmu, which means coke, you know. So very interesting. I don't know how, what you may make out of that, you know, maybe cooking, cooking up a storm, right, causing problem. I don't know. I don't know, but this was certainly a first attack, right, of the antagonist, the enemy. They laugh the people to scorn and despise them, the Bible say, right? And then they question, right? They question uh, this, this initiative with, with two things. It says, what is this thing that ye do? What is this thing that ye do? The enemies was questioning that. What is this thing that ye do? right? The idea here is you can't possibly do this. You can't possibly do this. You've been in, you know, you've been in this state for 92 years, okay? You've been in affliction and reproach for so long. Man, you think you're just going to change that? Does that sound familiar, right? Just, just, just the naysayer sometimes in our own spirit, right? Remember the walls that are broken is when, when our own spirit is dictating to us what we are in the old identity, not the new identity, right? And here it's just saying, man, how can you possibly change? How can you possibly change? And then look at our life. The enemy always wants to point us to our old identity, to our past. That's correct. To our past. Like, man, you've been living like that your whole life. How are you going to do this? The, the problem is just too overwhelming. Your problems has been so big. You, you, you can't do anything about it. That's what the enemy does. We see that picture and we see that spirit, right, within the flesh, within the system, within, you know, the, you know, the, the spiritual world. It's still there, right? It's putting doubt, basically, in your mind. You can't do it. You can't follow God. You can't follow God. Your sin is too much. You know, your, 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 your flesh is just too much. You can't do that. Does that make sense? And that's what they're trying to do here. What is this thing that you would do? Okay, 
And then uh, num number two, it says, will ye rebel against the king? Will ye rebel against the king? Now they are trying to question their authority. Now they're trying to question their authority. Like what, in what authority are you doing this? Now we know from, from the text that Artis, King Artaxerxes uh, already given authority to rebuild the place now, but it's also still hearsay from Nehemiah. The people can still choose like, well, what if the king changed his mind? And then, and then he thinks this is treason, right? And so on. I mean, people will believe that, right? You, you see that? He's trying to put fear into them, right? Saying, in what authority are you doing this, right? Trying to put fear uh, in, in the people that wants to do the work of the Lord, okay? So, so inspirationally, like even in Vietnam, right? We went to Vietnam to, to, to evangelize, to disciple. Guess what? Uh, you're not supposed to evangelize, right? You're not supposed to evangelize. But we do. We do evangelize because, man, we have been given the authority by our king to evangelize. And so we do, and we do it in a very discreetly way. We don't come with a megaphone and, you know, do that on the street. But we do that in a very discreetly way, and we pray and ask God. And God has protected us from that, right? There's room for that. And so God certainly gives us authority to evangelize because the Bible says, should we follow men, right? Or follow God, man, for us, man, we want to follow God and not to be fearful all the time because there is a cost. There is a cost. There's, you know, there's some parts of the world where you can't do a lot of things. You don't have the liberty to open your Bible and preach and so on. Uh, but you know what? We're still called to go, right? So the fear is actually real, if you will, but we shouldn't be fearful. And that's what the enemy wants to do. That's what the enemy wants to do. Okay? So, so when, when we start to get excited about the things of God, just like these people, they said, man, we're ready to work. We're ready to go. Right? Know that the enemy, okay, which include our flesh, many times that's our biggest enemy is ourself. Okay? The world and the devil will always seek to put doubt and fear in our mind. Doubt and fear in your mind. Okay? Now, verse 20 says, Then answer I, Nehemiah, them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Okay, so let, let's break it down. The God of heaven will prosper us. You see, Nehemiah's confidence is in God. You see, God is the one who prospers us. You see, his confidence is in God, okay? Therefore, we are his servants. Uh, we, his servants, will arise and build, okay? So, so Nehemiah is saying, hey, we're not laboring in vain. We're not laboring in vain. And Nehemiah correctly identify their identity. What did he say? We are his servants. That's, what else are you going to do as a child of God? What else are you going to do? That is the identity that God wants the children of God to, to embrace, is to be a servant, to serve the king. And so that's the very thing God wants them to do. Okay, and so Nehemiah uh, correctly identified their identity. Okay, plus, okay, Nehemiah kind of rebuked uh, the leaders 
uh, that was uh, against them uh, as well. You know, he says you have no portion, right, or memorial. And so scripturally, lost people have no portion, right, or memorial in God's inheritance. Scripturally, they don't. You see? And so if you have an enemy and say, hey, you can't do this, well, you know, you, you, you don't have right portion or memorial. But, but inspirationally, it can also apply to sideline Christians, right? Spectator Christians, Christians that would just sit as a spectator, right? Uh, you know, Sam would use uh, the, what, the um, uh, cruise ship or a warship, right? They view the Christian life as a cruise ship, you know, unto be served versus a warship, okay? Because, man, sideline Christian, they're not going to have the full inheritance that God intends them to have, right? God wants his children to rule and reign, but not everyone gets to rule and reign. So the rewards are different. Okay, so key point number one here, okay? Key point number one is leaders learn to bring confidence back to a discouraged people because their confidence is in God, okay? Leaders learn to bring confidence back to a discouraged people because the leader's confidence is in God, okay? There are many discouraged people in, in, in the world, including in this room. And we need people, we need leaders to be encouraging, to be encouraging, to bring confidence back right, to a discouraged people because my confidence is in God, right? And we see that in the New Testament. We see even Paul did that when he was persecuted. Paul did that even when he was persecuted. Philippians chapter 1, you don't have to turn there. Yeah, it says, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. Okay, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see that? Even Paul, I mean, Paul does that. Okay, even in persecution, hey, hey you know what? I'm just going to go, right? If I die, I die. If I get persecuted, I get persecuted. But the reason behind that is so that the people of God can have more confidence to boldly proclaim the gospel. You know, we need people like that. That's what the world needs, right? It's someone who has given their life to Christ in that way. In the context of Bible study, okay? So Bible study, Bible studies. If you're in a Bible studies, Bible studies cannot be full of discouragement and naysayers, okay? I, don't, I haven't visited all the Bible studies in FOI, okay, or, or Kaya, okay? But man, there are Bible studies sometimes, man, there's low energy. You come and it's just low energy. It can't be like that, right? It can't be full of discouragement. Oh man, my, you know, this, you know, again, man, if we want to talk about problems, man, I think, I think we can talk all night about problems, right? But here we see, man, God's like, hey man, I have given you victory. I have given you victory, okay? So, so man, Bible studies cannot be full of discouragement. And, and naysayers, so leaders must set the tone of faith and confidence in God, okay? Talking to you leaders, okay? Leaders must set the tone and confidence uh, uh, of God in your Bible study. Do a song, right? I, I, in my Bible study, I always start with a song, right? Man, just get our hearts ready, not jump into uh, the, the scripture straight away. 
uh, have have a time of prayer, right? Maybe a time of testimonies, and and I'm really looking forward to more and more of the testimonies because what we what we talked about in a Bible study is like, hey, we're we're not here just to have more knowledge of God. We want to see that knowledge being applied in our life, and then the next time we meet, we're like, you won't believe this. I followed God. I trusted God, and God. I answered my prayer in a big way, and guess what's going to happen? That that person's faith has already increased. Now he's bringing that testimony to the rest of the group and saying, "Hey, you guys, you guys, you got to trust God." And then others would follow suit. I'm like, "Man, I got to trust God too." You know, you see that? So there needs to be, you know, leaders needs to bring that confidence to discourage people, and we see that in Nehemiah. He he even reproved the the people. Now. Now we're gonna we're gonna jump into chapter three, chapter three uh, overview. I'm gonna get a few points of leadership from chapter three. So we're not gonna uh, look at um, verse by verse so much. I mean, other than I'm gonna jump into verse one and two if we have time to look at only one of the gates. Okay, if you have your handout on your on your chair, you would see that uh, this is kind of the the. In Nehemiah's time, the Jerusalem gate that was broken. And, and so you start with the, the sheep gate. And, uh, and then all the names here are the people that was involved with the work. Okay. And it, it comprised of uh, many different groups. You have the priestly people in verse 1 and 2. Uh, you have the, um, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, uh, apothecaries. Apothecaries. And they, they, they do perfumes. Okay. So they're in the business world. There's the goldsmith, right? Business people. There's the rulers in verse 12. And then there's the nobles as well. Okay, so this is all different groups of people participating to to build the wall. And I'm telling you, it's an amazing sight to see. If you read read through the whole chapter 3, okay? Just names after names after names after names. And what were they doing? It wouldn't be, you know, you know, it's not as exciting because you don't know these people as well. But, but imagine, right? And we're doing something really crazy, like amazing, building up our life or building up a nation, if you will, because that's the context anyway here, is they're building up a nation, nation of Israel, right? In, in the Jerusalem world. What if the names, right? Then, then uh, Blake side, side bottom, the high priests, and they built it, you know, uh, uh, with his brethren, the priests, and they built it, the sheep, and they sanctify it, right? And next unto him, you know, is, is you know, Larry, Larry Wynn, right? And, and so on and so on. If you, if you, like, imagine that, like, okay, what if, I mean, God is recording our life. Imagine if you were waiting to hear your name, you'd be like, oh, that gate, oh, I can't wait. You know, I, I participated in God's work. You know how big deal is that? You'll be looking for your name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I was part of that group. You know what I'm saying? But you never think of it. Why did God just put all the names down? Like just to bore us, to put us to sleep? No, because it was important. The people that participated in the God, God's work were remembered. You see, they, this is not going to be forgotten. This is forever inked in God's uh, word and God's word is, you know, is, is going to be eternal. Okay. 
So, so, you know, how did this happen? I mean, like everyone participated. Everyone participated except, actually, there's actually an exception. We'll go to there later on. There's one exception, but most majority of the people accepted. How did this happen? Okay, we don't have a whole lot of details, but it's very implicit in the text that Nehemiah was leading the charge. There was leadership, okay? There was leadership here because for 90 plus years, nothing has changed. Same old, same old. For 90 plus years, Nehemiah came to the scene, right? Had, had the hand of God on him, was able to inspire people for the work of the Lord, okay? So key point number two is leader must inspire people for the work of the Lord. Leaders must inspire people for the work of the Lord. How many of you have um, watched Braveheart? Braveheart, man, one of my, probably one of my favorite movies. Every time I watch that movie, I tear up because it's just so powerful. I mean, it's just so powerful to me, okay? And he, he, he gives this speech, right? He says, run, and, no, I can't do it. Run and, you, <laughs> run and you live at least a while and dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that, uh, from this day for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our life, but they'll never take away our freedom. And then everyone's like, Rah! that's it, man. That's it. You know, what, what was going on? What was going on? It was a purpose, a cause that's beyond them. It was just, you know, everyone's like, man, we're going to go home. There's just too many Englishmen there. This is too, you know, and, and so we're just going to go home. So everyone was thinking self-preservation, you know. But, but, but what, what uh, William Wallace was able to do was to inspire them and say, man, there's a greater cause here, guys. Do you see it? Do you see it? And then he inspired them. And it's like, yes, we will die for that cause. And that was just for freedom. I mean, it's a big deal, right? I mean, we all love our freedom. Right? especially in America. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not uh, suggesting this is, you know, inspiring people is just about a good speech. It's not just about that, you know, but, but Nehemiah, we know, has a passion to glorify God. We saw that from the beginning in chapter one. He, he, he had compassion for the children of Israel and, and he put his own neck on the line. We saw that his career was on the line his life was on the line because he took the risk to speak to the king. You can't do that. You're not supposed to do that back in the days because if the king say, what, what are you doing? It's, it's not your agenda. You can't do that. And then it's very common, by the way, just, just so you know. So he put, you know, his life in danger. Uh, um, and so, so the inspiration wasn't just a speech. Okay. It's not just a speech. Okay. This, this was from the within to, you know, to without. And so we see that Nehemiah inspired the people. And we saw that in verse 17 and 18. That was his speech. Two verses. Two verses. And basically, he just said that, hey, you see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem life wastes, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproached. Let's, let's not live like that anymore. You see, you see it. I saw it, you know. And then he told him, hey, the hand of God, which was good upon me. And then he told his testimony, hey, the king gave me favor. And with that, the people's like, let's do it. We'll strengthen our hand. Let's do it. And everyone we see in chapter three participated in that. Isn't that cool? Right? 
uh, when it's genuine, it's from God, God gave favor and, and Nehemiah was able to inspire uh, the, the, the people to work. And so Bible study leaders, right? Growing leaders, right? In, in your Bible study, learn how to get your Bible study group to work. To work, you know, I was a bit disappointed when, when, uh, when um, uh, Elijah was asking for volunteers. I mean, everyone was still, not, I mean, man, everyone should like, hey, me, 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 let me do it. Let me do it, right? Uh, maybe your speech wasn't good enough. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You got you to gotta practice more on that speech or something. Freedom, you know, fight for the something, right? Uh, but man, we got to learn how to get everyone to work because of remembering that we have a greater cause. You know, people are, are, are dying without the gospel. Right, the world is broken. There's, I mean, just turn on the news. I mean, it's always problems and more division in the country and and all over the world, and it's not getting any better. Okay, and so so as a ministry, we are gonna we're gonna continue to present new opportunities, like events like this and different things to make full proof of the ministry, and that requires work. Okay, and it should be a privilege. But leaders, I'm telling you, for your Bible study, you gotta inspire people. To work and not just to work, but to to understand why we're doing what we're doing, right? To do to understand why we're doing what we're doing, and then my members of Bible study be willing, be willing to engage, right? Be willing to engage, be willing to 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 be malleable, right? To be used, you know, submit to God as you submit to your Bible study leader. That's that's a good place to 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 start that, okay. Now, now, key point number three uh, is leaders learn to not get distracted by those who are not cooperative. Key point number three, leaders learn to not get distracted by those who are not cooperative. You know, even if you try your best leaders, right, to try to get people to engage and, and so on to do what's the right thing, some people inevitably will still not want to do anything. Still, you know, and they, they can be passive. They'll, they'll do the minimal that they would do. Have you met anyone like that? You ask them to do one, you know, something and they just do the minimal, always minimal, or they would just be always late and so on and so on. They're not willing to engage. But you know what? Leaders cannot afford to get distracted by those who are not cooperative. Okay. Uh, We see that in verse five, verse five of chapter three. Let's read that. Okay. And next unto them, the Tekoics repaired, but their nobles put not their neck to the work of their Lord. You see that? But their nobles put not their neck to, to the work of the Lord. And here, you know, perhaps the, the nobles here, you know, royalty and so on, maybe thought that this physical labor, you know, was just above, you know, below them. Was just below them. Wow, why, man, we're nobles. Wow, we're getting our hands dirty here. Just get someone else to do it, right? But they forget that the work here, it is what is required. It is what is required, right? That is what's needed. And it says here very clearly that it is the work of their Lord and they're missing out. And so now they are, this group of people are ID in the scripture, those nobles, right? Those nobles. Yeah, so, so, uh, so, so with those people, you can't afford to get distracted because many times those people are what many leaders spend a lot of time with 
like counseling and talking and maybe disputing and so on. And so, you know, leaders need to be careful because otherwise you will spend too much time chasing after those who do not want to be chased. Does that make sense? You're chasing after people who really don't want to be chased. They don't want to submit. They don't want to be, yeah, they don't want to submit to God really at the end of the day. If they're part of your Bible study, man, they, they should know the structure is Bible study leaders and then, you know, fellowship leaders and then pastors and so on. You know, that's, that's, that's the structure. Okay, and, and what we see in, in the, um, uh, the, the handout as well, okay, is that Nehemiah did a good job planning all these things. We know that because when the king asked, hey, how long are you going to take? He already know. He already know the timing and, and, and so forth. And so in this case, we, we can see that, that Nehemiah knows who's doing what and so on. So he delegated the work appropriately. He facilitated at least to what the work needs to be done. Okay, if you read the whole chapter three, it's very clear. It's extremely structured. Okay, and, and we also see how that there is a pattern in how he prioritized what is being done. Okay, and so if, if you know, the next time we meet, we're going we're gonna to see this pattern more and more. But, but, but check this out. It starts with the sheep gate. Guess what that's about, right? And then it, and then it goes into the fish gate, okay? And then the, 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 the old gate, okay? All of that has meaning to it, okay? Very clear meaning to it. We don't have time, but, but that's a pattern. Uh, that's a pattern. Okay, so leaders must learn to delegate. Um, uh, key point four, leaders must learn to delegate to the right people for the job. Leaders must learn to delegate to the right people for the job, okay? So, so generally, what do you look for, leaders? You're looking for uh, fat people, right? Uh, as in faithful, available, and teachable, okay? So, right? F-A-T, faithful, available, and teachable, okay? Notice, right? Notice, like, everyone, you can't, oh, no, I say the wrong thing. I don't know whether people can get over it. F-A-T, man. Okay, all right. You ready? Get back on track. All right, so, so notice that, that everyone participated. So what, what was the, the requirement here? It's really available people. Like, hey, am I qualified? Man, if you're available, you're qualified. That's what these people did. I mean, they made themselves available. They're qualified to do the work of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And, 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 and leaders, you know, as you delegate, sometimes it's a trial and error. It's a trial and error because you don't know whether the person will actually be a good fit for that position. But, but you, you, you take a risk, okay? And, and normally there's a gap between like what they, they qualify and then, and then you give them that opportunity, right? And, and you hear that from Pastor Brandon and to myself and to Dan. I mean, we all say the same thing like, man, what? why would you promote me to an elder, you know, back in 2012 and so on? Man, you saw something in me, right? The leaders are able to see something in a person. And then, you know what? As God given grace to, 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 to the leaders, the leaders continue to give grace to other people. Does that make sense? Right? So sometimes you're like, you can't wait for the perfect leader to show up or to grow up. 
it just doesn't happen, right? And then, but I'm not saying to give to unqualified people, delegate to unqualified people, but to delegate correctly in prayer, right? And if you do so, man, uh, God is going to meet that with grace. And then the person like, man, wow, can't believe that they would promote me to this. I couldn't believe it. And, and the person would be thankful to God, you know? And then sometimes you, you, you know, sometimes you can't delegate and you just have to do it. You know, leaders need to know that. Sometimes you just can't delegate. You just have to do it because there's no one else that can do it. Okay, case in point, I uh, went to London. There was no praise uh, leader. So I, I, I did praise for five years in London. Okay, uh, when Kaya uh, was started, there was no praise leader. So guess who did it? Me, you know, for five years. Okay, not, not the most gifted musician or anything. But you know what? You just do it. Because you're the only available person, right? And so then when Blade came to the scene, you know, uh, not that I need to teach him musically, but teach him in terms of character qualities and so on uh, and, and encourage him. And then he took over the, the work in Kaya. And then after, after Blade uh, was Uriah, you know, and so on. So sometimes you, you just have to fill in the gaps before someone can come in. So don't be discouraged that you have to delegate everything. Okay, key point number five, leaders must oversee the work. Leaders must oversee the work. And so uh, verse 20 in chapter three, if you can get eyes on that. Verse 20, it says, After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall unto the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Okay, if you look at all the other verses in this chapter, you won't see much adjective on them. This is the one that you have. Man, Baruch must have done really good at this other piece. Okay? <laughs> we don't know what that is. Okay? But, but we see that, that Nehemiah has his eyes on what's going on. Right? That's the only reason why he would know that. Man, that guy. That guy did some good work, man. He earnestly did it. That was a good job. Okay? Because leaders must oversee the work. Right, and so I can imagine Nehemiah in on a horse, you know, going through the wall and just seeing how everyone is doing, checking in on everyone, like, "Hey, you okay? You need water?" and so on and so on. And then he saw this particular person and say, "Man, Baruch, that guy, man, he's the bomb.com man. He is good, you know." And so we we see, we see that that Nehemiah was on top of things because uh, sometimes delegation, right? Uh, initially requires more work. Delegation initially requires more work. I don't know whether you, can, you, you, you feel me on this because sometimes you try to delegate something, the training and helping and the holding hands of someone takes more time than you actually doing it. Okay? Ever happened to anyone? Oh my, yeah, so many times, right? So, so you, you, you hear me. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but that, that is a that is an important aspect of transition, okay? Now, I also see leaders, and sometimes it's very tempting for leaders, right, to delegate as a way to just dump the work on someone else. Have you seen that before? <laughs> right, you see that all the time, you know, at work, it's like, oh man, I just want to dump all the stuff that is just tedious and that I, people hate to do and just give it to someone else. That's not good delegation, okay? In general, at least in the ministry, right? Okay, there's a hierarchy in, in the corporate world, so maybe the, the newcomers can get that. I, I can see that. But in the ministry, if, if our work is a work of discipleship, 
if our work is a work of discipleship, what, what are we supposed to do? Evangelize and disciple. Then we can't miss this part of actually discipling someone in a particular thing, whatever that thing is, right? Whether it's video, whether it's chairs, whether it, what, whatever it is, we got to use that opportunity to pass on that, that discipleship aspect and, hey, man, this is how you do it, and this is how you do it well, you know? Uh, back in London, when I was working in a corporate world, we were, man, just really pampered. We have uh, a lot of um, secretaries that help us in a lot of the mundane stuff. But I always noticed that there was always one secretary that does it and does it to like, like so well, you know, so well where the rest is like, oh, where's your stuff? Oh, it's in the coffee machine. Go get it. You know, but that person come in with the stuff that you asked and it was clip and then there is post-it note on that and this is what it is and da, 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 da. you're like wow you know um i don't know why i mentioned that uh, but but just like that person has been trained well you know if if you want someone like man i i i, I want that person to be training other people because that's very very helpful okay so um so delegation requires a lot of hand-holding uh, overseeing initially, but with the right person and investment, it will pay off in the long run, right? That DNA is going to pass down. And, and delegation is a tricky thing. We talked about that already uh, a bit about, um, you know, giving grace. And, but uh, it's, it's a tricky thing because you want to balance between choosing the right person, getting the uh, work being done well, and then overseeing. Okay, and overseeing, and some people uh, can see overseeing as micromanaging, right? Micromanaging is, is, is not good, but initially you might have to hold hands. You have to micromanage in the beginning, right? But as a person gets it, man, let it go. Let it go, but you want to pass on that DNA. So leaders must oversee the work. It's part of the work of discipleship and part of the work being done well. And Nehemiah was certainly a leader who wants the, the job, uh, uh, you know, to get, done well okay so those are oh that's one more that's one more okay so so now we are going to jump actually on the um chapter three verse one and two okay we're now going to jump in uh verse verse one or two okay so we're going to look at the first group of people performing the work of building the wall and we see this is the priestly people priestly people and so let's read uh, these two verses, and that's going to be the main verses that we're going to cover, uh, and then we'll close, okay? Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it, even unto the tower of Nia. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiel. And next unto him built the men of Jericho, and next to them built Zakor, the son of Emery, okay? So, so first thing, we see these are priestly people doing the work. Now, back in the days, back in the days, maybe not so much uh, in these days, but priestly people are people of high status back in the days and slowly diminish in our modern world, you know? Uh, but back in the days, they are high status people and yet they weren't afraid to get their hands dirty. They were the first one, the first group of people that Nehemiah penciled down and said, man, these people did that, okay? And so key point number six is leaders should be the first to model hard work, 
to other people, okay? Leaders should be the first to model hard work to other people, okay? That's what Nehemiah did, uh, not Nehemiah, but the, the priestly people uh, did here, uh, which, is, which is really cool. And we saw another priestly group um, in... Um, Verse 22 as well. This is another priestly group. It says, and after him repaired the priest, the men of the plain. Okay, this is another uh, group. If you studied it out, you can see that they have to cross over the River Jordan because they come from a city of refuge to come help do the work. So they have to travel and they have to do, you know, laborious work, but they don't mind. Priestly people did that. They model what hard work uh, is for everyone. Okay, now, so we're going to, we're going to now look at the pictures of these names in verse 1 and 2. Okay, remember we talked about this the last time and, and, and you know, the Old Testament is full of pictures of New Testament truth. They're full of pictures of New Testament truth and God, uh, when, when, when He puts down names in the Bible, it means something. It's very important. Okay, Abraham wasn't Abraham. He was called Abram and God changed his name to Abraham. Right? And, and you see a lot of these names, they got changed or God chose a specific name and that name represented who they are. Okay, so we're going to look at names here and then I want to just draw some, you know, some, some conclusions here, okay, uh, on, on what this first gate uh, is, okay? Okay, so let's, let's look at uh, the word Eliashib, okay? El- Eliashib, okay? If you, if you, Look at that word uh, and you study it. Eliashib means God of conversion. God of conversion. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then the high priest, he is the high priest. Okay. Guess who is the high priest uh, for us in the New Testament? Jesus Christ. Seeing that, uh, Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. Just, I just want to Define all this for us, and then I'm going to draw some conclusions, okay? Uh, priests, okay? It says that the next people uh, uh, rose up with his brethren, the priests, plural, okay? Priests, uh, what, is a, um, what is that in New Testament? In New Testament, uh, the Bible defines New Testament believers as what? Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood, okay? Chosen generation, royal priesthood, um, Okay, and then uh, the, the next thing I want us to look at is they build it, built the sheep gate. Okay, sheep gate. This is the place, this is the gate where the people would bring their sheep to sacrifice, right, to offer um, as a sacrifice for their sins. Okay. Oh, I haven't got there yet. So, so don't go there. Don't go there. Not yet. This is the conclusion. Okay, not yet. This is just defining all the terms uh, for now. Okay. So sheep, what's the difference between sheep and lamb? Anyone knows? What? Hey, Connor. Good job. Okay, so, so that's right. Sheep are over one year of age, and then lamb is below one year of age. I, you know, cool. Okay, so sheep, lamb. Okay, and who is the perfect lamb? Jesus. Jesus, okay. And then we see here uh, that they also, uh, they sanctify the gate. And then set up the doors, the doors of it. Okay, so there's doors for it. And guess what? Revelation ch- uh, chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand 
at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Okay? Jesus said that. Man, you, man, stand at the door and knock. I'll answer. Okay? Tower of Mia. Tower of Mia is the next item here on the list. Mia means a hundred times. A hundred. Okay? And then, and then um, we already covered, uh, they sanctified it again. Tower of Mia, they sanctified it again. And sanctify simply say make holy or set apart. Hey, not yet, not yet. We're not yet. We're not there yet. Okay? Um, and, then, and then Tower of Hananiel. The word Hananiel means God is gracious. God is gracious. Okay? Okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For by, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Right? Uh, not of works lest any man should boast. And then we have verse, uh, verse 2. And next unto him built the men of Jericho. Jericho, if you, if you look at that word, uh, is, is fragrant. Fragrant. Fragrant place. It's actually by, by all the palm trees. And, and that was the entrance of the children of Israel to the promised land. That was their first conquest. After uh, passing through the Jordan, Jericho was the place that, that, that they, you know, God would, would give them victory. It was the first place, fragrant place. And then Zakor, Zakor. Uh, and next to them built Zakor. Okay, Zakor means remembered. Remembered. Okay. And then last uh, but not least, Imri. Okay, son of Imri. Imri means my word, uh, my word is spoken. Or how would it say, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And all this, by the way, you go and study it out. And you tell me if you see that. That's, go to Strong's, go to Hebrew Dictionary, go to uh, the, the history and all that on, on the name. You see the same thing. Okay, so now, okay, now, now we, can, we can go to kind of the, 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 the interpretation of, okay, What's going on? Okay, so this is first for the lost people. For the lost people, okay? To the lost people, man, if you're not safe, know this, right? Know this. Know that God of the Bible is the only one that can convert. He's the only one that can convert, convert and that's Eliashib. He's the high priest, right? He's the, he's the only one that can transform us into a new creature. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Only God can do that, right? Only Jesus can do that. And Jesus is our high priest, okay? Number two, right? He has done that through the perfect sacrifice, right? The lamb, the sheep gate, okay? That is Jesus Christ, Okay? And, and, and we see that John 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. This is John the Baptist. It says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Okay? Jesus is the perfect Lamb. Okay? And then we have the, the word door. Door. And we know that the door is open to all. Open to all. John 3, 6. Uh, 3.16, you know that verse well, I hope, right? For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And then it's to who? Whosoever believe. That door is literally open to everyone, whosoever believe, okay? 
and and the door is the door is open right to people a hundred times if you will many times and are you are you going to knock that door is going to be presented to you many times in your life are you going to knock and say hey you know what god you are the one true god i have sinned i can't convert myself i can't become a new creature i can't take away my sin i need you god help me you know uh number five uh, his door is set apart right the word sanctified here being used sanctified is set apart right it's different than any other door in the world john 14 6 says i am the way the truth and the life right no man come after the father but through me jesus saying only through me right this is what sets apart jesus from all religion Right, Jesus is. Oh, some people would say, "Oh, all religion leads to the same thing." No, it's, no, it doesn't. Maybe all but Christianity. Right, because Christianity is saying, "Man, only through Jesus, only through the blood of the Lamb." Right, and so it's different. It's set apart. Okay, and then we have the word Hananiel. Right, and then through this door, you will find God's grace. You will find God's grace. Right, and then and then number seven, entering this door means that you will come to a fragrant place. You're a new creature, right? The the sense is no longer there anymore. You know, spiritually speaking. Now, physically, because of this body, you know, we'll still sin. But from a spiritual point of view, if you die today, your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. It's done. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible say. Right, and so God is gracious. Through this door, the lost people can find grace. Okay, number seven. Uh, oh, we recover number seven. Fragrant place. Number eight. You will be remembered. You will be remem- remembered, and that is um, uh, from the word zakor. Remembered. You'll be remembered. Okay, uh, your your name is going to be recorded in the book of life. You'll be remembered. Because my word is spoken. Okay? Is that amazing? I mean, again, I mean, just the meaning of these words say something. And the first gate is the sheep gate. It's Jesus Christ. The first gate that anyone wants to restore their life. We talked about how the walls is a representation of people that have no control over their spirit. Right? What's the answer? Jesus Christ. First gate that you need to restore, right? Now, because this applies to the safe person as well. This applies to the safe person because, you know, biblically, you know, contextually, this is the children of Israel. Supposed to be God's people. So let's look at how does this apply to the safe people, building up their wall, if you will. Okay. And then, and then we'll close. Okay. They, they, again, they need to remember that God is the one that can change us. We need to remember it's only God that can change us from the inside out, from being born again to sanctification. Right? Born again is a one-time deal, but sanctification, that's every day. That's every day. It doesn't stop until we die or when Christ returns. Right? And only Eliashib, the high priest, Jesus, can do that for us. 
nothing else, not through our good works, not, not by trying harder. Have you tried hard in your life? Like I feel like I can remember a lot of instances in my life where I tried hard and it, 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 it's not enough and it fails badly. And then I'm like, ah, oh, try my best. Yeah, that's not what's required. You need to go to Jesus. Okay. And, and, then, and then the sheep, right? The sheep, you are to remember to give your body a living sacrifice. You are to remember to give your body a living sacrifice. Now, if you are a believer, God's saying, hey, now it's your turn. Follow me, right? Take up your cross and follow me. You are to give your body a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sacrifice and the Bible says that is just reasonable service. Reasonable service. You want to restore your life, right? What's going on, you know, with whatever you know that is troubling you? Die. Bring that living sacrifice to the to the gate. Okay, and then the the word door number three. His door is near to us. His door is near to us. You don't have to look far away. You see. You see, James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hand, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You, you see that? We don't have to go far. God says, man, if you would just humble yourself, right? And, and, and just realize, man, I can't do this. Whatever that you're struggling, I can't do this, Right? And you draw nigh to God as a result of that repentant spirit. God says, I'll draw nigh to you. Right? And, um, and then number four, the, the door is holy. Right? The door is holy, sanctified. And entering through it, you'll find that God is gracious again. That's the story of the Christian life. Right? We, we, we were saved by grace, but we also live by grace. This is something that's that I'm telling you is missed many times by, by many people, including myself. Sometimes you just try and work hard, work hard, and then you slip into not grace, right? The way God wants us to work is like, man, get a full serving of my daily bread. Then you have enough to do my work. For us, we're just too busy, and so our mind gets focused on the work for the day, and we skip the daily bread, and we just do our thing with the physical bread. Does that make sense? Right? And that, man, never works out. Just, just saying, it never works out. Right? Because you won't find grace in that. That You won't find grace in that. You, you won't find sanctification in that. Number five, uh, entering this door means, right? Uh, it, or, or, or I didn't worry, uh, the, the best here is still the key to be free from bondage. It is still the key to be free from bondage because Jericho, remember, from the Judeo-Christian perspective, uh, they 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 put this as the the Jericho as you know the place that they were free from bondage, and that they did the impossible, they conquered the impossible, right? Remember, uh, this is this is you know. This is, man, so true, you know. So, so if you know the, the story of Jericho, right, 
they, they crossed the River Jordan, and now finally they are meeting their enemy. And, 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 and uh, Joshua went out and, and probably checked out the scene. He, he sent people out already, but then he was out checking the scene. And probably in Joshua's mind, man, how do we do this? Right? When you look at the walls and they're so high and they're so fortified and like, there's no way. There's no way. And sometimes when we look at our own strongholds, right, our own spirit, if you will, man, they are, they are like mountains. They're like fortified castles in our life. They're like, man, I, I can't do this. Have you ever been there? Right? Like, man, it's too big. It's, it's, it's so overwhelming. And I want to encourage you tonight, okay, uh, by, by, by that story in Joshua, you know, uh, you know, where he went through this door, okay? Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, you know, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Are you for me or for, you know, for the enemy? And this person said, he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? If you study that out, who is that? Okay. And Joshua fell on his face. Okay. No, no. You see every instance people fell on their face is God. Because if it's not, if it's angels, they say, oh, bro, don't do that. I'm not God. Right. But in this case, this captain of the host has no problem receiving worship. Worship is due to God only. Captain of the host. It's like, he says, you know, I will fight for you, right? But Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord of the host said unto Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Does that sound familiar to you? Like Moses? Right, man, take off your shoe, man. This is holy place. You're in a holy place right now. And, and Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I've given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And they got great warriors in Jericho, but God says, I've given you. And the way that God did it, you know the story, it's just march around with your trumpets. Okay, and then seven days, you do seven times and the priest will blow the trumpet and the whole thing will fall down. So, man, I want to encourage you uh, to go through this door, right? Go through this door. And, and come to the same place as Joshua did, right, in your life. Uh, stop fighting, you know. Stop trying to do harder, right? Stop doing things your own way, right? Come through Jesus. Come through Jesus and say, God, man, you know, I'm not for me. I'm not for the enemy. I'm, I'm with God, and I just need to worship you.
you know, uh, I, I needed this so much because sometimes I can work and then I forget, you know, forget, man, who am I working for? And I needed that. God, I'm, 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 I'm working for you. Uh, I'm with you, right? I, I just need to worship you. I just need to surrender my rights to you. You know, uh, I don't need to be right. I need to be right with you, right? And that means that there are certain things that I need to do in a specific way and how I interact with people and so on and so on, right? But many times we fight the wrong battles, right? And then we're like, man, what's going on? What's going on? We need to repent, right? We need to enter the door because that, that is that door where Jesus is standing is still the key to be free from any bondage that you have, any stronghold that you may have in your life, any past PTSD or whatever that you have gone through in your life, right? God is big enough. God is big enough. There's no condemnation in those that are following Jesus, right? There's no condemnation. And then, and then finally we have um, Zakor, right? Because because God is going to remember you. Not only God is going to remember you, God is going to be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Right? Matthew 28. Why? Because Imri, God has spoken. God has spoken. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we thank you uh, so much for your word. Uh, Lord, uh, there's just so rich, so rich. I mean, there's just so much that I probably missed, but the ones that are there, wow, what a picture that, that you have painted. Uh, just even the progression of how the walls and gates are being built. It's no, co- no coincidence. You authored this. You, you made plans. You raised up this man uh, to, to give charge so that you can get maximum glory. And, and Father, we want to uh, come to you tonight, and uh, I want to pray for our group, uh, or for the leaders to, to, um, to see these principles that we just saw uh, and Lord would, would apply them, would learn from them and so that we can uh, be good leaders that, that pleases you. And then um, Lord, uh, for, for building up the walls through the sheep gate, Lord, I pray that that uh, would be not our last resort, but our first resort uh, Lord, we all have our, our demons, if you will, our strongholds and so on. Uh, Lord, I pray for breakthrough in our life. I pray breakthrough, uh, Lord, with our, our, our spiritual state that sometimes are, you know, is so stubborn that we just allow ourselves to, to wander. Uh, Lord, would you draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to you? Would you uh, allow us to have rule over our own spirit? and not let our own spirit rule after us, which is a picture of a broken wall. Help us to build those walls so that, Lord, we can uh, model for people what it means to have a victorious life. Lord, I want that, and I want that for for this ministry and for this church. Um, And, Lord, Lord, I I pray if if anyone here uh, hasn't actually gone through uh, that that sheep gate, uh, Lord, to receive your grace. I pray tonight, tonight will be the night that they finally receive your grace and that they are transformed and that they, are, they have a trajectory to reach a fragrant place. Uh, 
uh, Lord, because you have spoken, you have promised. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.